What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week and this take, James? This week and this take, I'm doing fine, Jason. That's very, very good to hear, James. Obviously, listeners out there don't seem to really know what I'm banging on about. We originally recorded this episode last week, didn't we, James? We did. And it was uh, it was meant to come out last week, wasn't it, James? It was. And for some obscure reason, unbeknownst to me, the settings on our little lovely recording device here were all about the shop and it was horrifically distorted, despite the fact that we both have headphones on as we're recording, we're listening to ourselves talking and it sounds absolutely fine, And it, as it did last week. Yet when it came to editing time, it was completely and utterly unusable. Yep. So we're having to re-record, but of course... Because we record ahead of time, we're now a week out of schedule, so apologies that there wasn't an episode last week. And the plagues of uh, problems seem to be continuing today, don't they, Jack? Indeed, indeed. <laughs> little little uh, technical hiccup there. Yes, so we're, we're not only a week late, we're also three takes in today. Yeah. Uh, through multiple issues, so it's not going particularly well for us. But anyway, providing this has made it to the airwaves, James. We are back and we're going to be talking about Arcana Rising for the fourth time. We are going to be talking about Arcana <laughs> Rising for the fourth time. <laughs> Other than that, James, how are you this week, all joking aside? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, how, how's work been? Work-ish. Yeah. I mean, positive notes. We've, we've had a week off from, from game clubs, which, we- which was great, but we had a game night of mine last night. We did. And me and you have been playing a bit more recently at, at my house. We have. And we've been playing a game that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, which is Flamecraft. Indeed, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of that. We've been really enjoying it. So, spoiler alert, we, we enjoy that game. So, look forward to that episode coming out. But uh, short of that, James, should we just jump straight in and, and talk about Arcana Rising again? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. Okay, guys. So, Arcana Rising is... An engine building and drafting game released by Grey Fox Games in 2021. The game is for one to six players aged 14 and up and has an estimated playtime of about 20 to 60 minutes. And at the time of the recording, this game can be purchased from a variety of online stores uh, with a ridiculous range in prices, but the cheapest I managed to find it was about £35. In Arcana Rising, players are taking the role of powerful spellcasters in a competition to acquire arcane artifacts and cast mighty spells in an effort to gain knowledge and power. As they gather their mystical relics, they note the passing of the moons which amplify the powers of certain schools of magic, allowing wizards to cast spells at the peak of their power. There's a little synopsis of Arcana Rising, James, but what comes in the box when you purchase Arcana Rising? Okay, Jason, in the box there are 108 spell cards, 102 resource tokens, 84 victory tokens, 10 moon tokens, 6 player mats, 6 score trackers, 1 casting board, 1 token bag, and a rule book. Excellent stuff. You're getting really used to reading these uh, components lists out. Oh, no. Do you, you see the way I just quick fired that off? Yeah, that was, I'm not even going to have to like cut any air gaps. I mean, in that one. That is the fourth time I've had to do that. <laughs> this, is, this is very, very true. Have you memorized it? I could have probably just gone, yeah, yeah, it's got this, it's got that. <laughs> so let's talk about the components. Now, before we go into this, James, I think it is fair to say that the version that we have here. Yep. Is indeed the Kickstarter deluxified versions. All of the things you've just read out, they are from the retail version. 
but obviously we will talk about the deluxified version as well. Okay, so let's chat about these components, James. Visually, how does the game come across to you? I like the art style. Mm -hmm. um, it's very in keeping with the theme. Very wizardy, wizardy, but dark wizardy. Not, yes. not not happy wizardy. It's very ooh. yeah. It's, it's sort of later Harry Potter movies. Not not the first Harry Potter movies. Yeah. yeah. Everything's not sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think theme-wise, um, it, it works for the game. It's not a theme that I particularly buy into, you know, the whole sort of magic, magic and all that kind of jazz. But th this game actually belongs to my partner, who is totally into that theme. Uh, but yeah, visually, the game is really nice. It, it looks good on the table. Some of the components even scream quality when you look at them but you know we'll, we'll move on to quality in a minute because there are other things that i would like to bring up about that uh, i i get the feeling that you will be exactly the same yeah but uh yeah i think really the way the the game boards are laid out the the player boards everything's very clear about what you do and when yeah and yeah it clearly breaks down the different phases within the game as well so graphic design really really good uh, visually very very nice rule book again very very easy to read we seem to be doing really well at the moment finding games that have good rule books yep another easy game to teach maybe not in the gateway plot you know gateway category but you know we'll cover that a bit more when we get to the the game mechanics so rule book no complaints very very good very clear very well illustrated we've blasted through those two sections james we have i don't think we're going to be able to do quite as quickly through the quality oh. section <laughs> so james how is the quality of arcana rising well it depends which bit we're talking about jason because the tokens are perfectly serviceable you know they're like um wooden meeples they're almost they're almost shaped like a goblet aren't they that sort of i think that's what they're meant to be yeah yeah um yeah and they're they're different sizes i think uh, the score things are one and five aren't they yeah because it's uh it's for the resources ones that yeah, we're for the, talking about, yeah, yeah for the resources so it's good that they're sized differently but in i think it's in the kickstarter version they're the same color or very very they're like yeah. one shade different yeah. of blue so this is the, this is the first component that we're talking about where we've got the deluxified version we've got the wooden meeple-esque type things in the base version they are punchboard tokens that are colored two different colors i think it's blue and orange yep one's a blue and orange for the fives yep in the kickstarter version with those deluxified components they are two very very similar shades of blue yep and i think we're talking one shade difference yeah and the size difference is not big enough to really counteract the fact that they are essentially the same color so we we do find quite often that they get mixed up and it's very difficult to see at an arm's length yeah as to what's what so that's the first niggle another positive the uh the moon tokens are i think the best way i can describe those is think of a poker chip mm, yeah so they are quite durable they're quite thick they're not going to get easily damaged and the central board is double layered punch board so they yep. slot into it which is nice yep indeed yep and that segues us nicely into the boards doesn't it jason <laughs> oh yes oh the boards <laughs> yeah so for for context the the actual box that this comes in is not a standard 30 by 30 box we are it's sort of a 20 by 10 i think something like that inches but with a standard board game box depth so the player boards and the central board indeed are foldable um and this is where problems have occurred 
because this is, I'm going to say everything that we're probably going to talk about is inherent problems that have come from the manufacture of this game and the quality control that's come from that. I'm going to actually say, especially the folding boards, it's the actual design, the way they've actually done it as well. Yes, there are clearly problems in the quality control at the factory because like the boards aren't cut straight let's say that one straight away so you know when you are folding the boards they are very clearly not flush yeah they are off-centered and stuff like that which of course to anyone who's ever come across something that isn't cut flush at a 90 degree angle and then tried to unfold it what what will essentially will happen it'll get to a certain point and it just will not go flat and obviously to play the game you need it to be flat which means putting pressure on it which unfortunately then starts to tear yeah, away. But also, where, the, uh, where, where it's not cut flush, they're rubbing against you. Every time they fold, they're rubbing course. against, which means that you're getting wear or excessive wear on the crease. But what I mean by the actual design is it's not a single piece of punch board that has been engineered to fold. Mm. It's like two separate bits of punch board, and then they've just stuck a like almost like a card backing on, and that's the fold. Yeah. So that that's going to tear. Yeah. Yeah. Into, I mean, yours I mean, is already tearing. Yes, exactly. And you know this this hasn't been played a stupid amount. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. It, we're we're fully aware now that the uh, the boards on this are not going to last, uh, unfortunately, which yeah. is, which is a real shame. So yeah, quality control uh, is a problem. Yeah. And and the design of the fold is uh, is pretty is, bad. Yes. Yeah. There's no reinforcement to that fold no. at all. Yeah. It's not durable, and like I said, we've it's not been played that much, and it looks like it's a well used game. Yeah. I mean, I, in, I've got games from when I was a kid that I used to you know unfold the boards constantly that are in better condition than yep. than this one so not great unfortunately on on that one but yeah um i'm backing up what you said with the poker chip style moon tokens which sit in the center board that's really really good the center board is lovely bar that design of folding with only minuscule amount of backing to it yeah uh, especially with that center board because obviously being dual layered it's heavier so it's going to tear quicker but yeah other than that i, I don't want to bash on the quality of it too much because that's kind of everything in the game the punch board is is serviceable the artwork is is holding up well the cards card stock is good yeah standard sort of linen finished cards uh the the normal tokens in the retail edition are fine for scoring and this is actually something that james interestingly was reading out in the components and then you you pointed it out afterwards when we weren't recording and that was one of the things that's listed on the retail thing is the six score trackers in our game we have six abacuses yep to do that and they're very very nice they're 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 great but in the retail version as far as i'm aware they are punch board tokens to to score your your points so what the six score trackers are yeah i'm i'm not sure what's listed as six score trackers so that's interesting yeah that's interesting that might have just been an oversight on my part where i've written it down but interesting to know so don't expect you know if you are going to buy the retail version Mm. don't expect six abacuses yeah, because we are pretty sure they do not come with the retail edition. Shall we move on to gameplay, James? Let's move on Let's to gameplay. Let's do it. How do you like the gameplay of the game? I, I actually enjoy the game. Cool. Despite the fact that the theme doesn't really do anything for me, I still think it's a very good game. Nice, nice. Uh, is there any particular pros or, or cons that you, you like and dislike um, about the game? I find the drafting, the the way they do the drafting, very interesting. So that should probably be the first point we talk about. Mm, yeah, because obviously uh, that is one of the first things that we do in the game. Now, for the first couple of times we played this, we actually played this wrong. We did. Because we saw drafting and we thought, we know how to draft, so we did how we are used to drafting. 
which is obviously take a card, pass it on, take a card, pass it on and build your hand to then start going through the individual phases of, of playing Magic and, and such. However, this game is different, James. It is different. As we, as we found out. And we can actually talk about the two different ways that we've played it and which one we prefer. Indeed. So talking about the proper way of doing it, the idea is is you, you're drawn a hand from uh, one of three decks, which are numbered one, two, and three, very handily. Yep. Uh, because the game is broken up into three rounds, and each round has six phases. And the idea is you get given your hand, and from that hand you have to decide to play a spell, which is basically taking a card from your hand and adding it to your tableau, or I think it's casting a spell, but for, for ease of talking we'll just call it discarding, because you yep. essentially discard a card. Yep in order to cast the two active moons, which allow you to activate the, those particular disciplines on, on your tableau. Now, that, that's it. That's that's all you do yep. on a turn. So how, how it works is, yeah, as we say, playing a spell is pretty easy. You play a spell, you pay its resource cost. Yep. Uh, how you get resources is actually by... Uh, casting spells and, and gaining resources from the cards that you've activated that turn. But that's as simple as it is for, for adding a spell. It's play a spell, pay its resource cost, slide it under that discipline, and you're done. Yep. Casting a spell is, as we said, you discard a card, and then for every phase within that round, you have two active moons. Yep, which are also randomly drafted at the beginning of the uh, of the round. Indeed, yep. So all of that will always be different. That adds the replayability. Um, you can then activate those two disciplines. And by doing that, you go from the top of that discipline all the way down, activating every single card that it says and, and doing what it says on the card. Yep. It's usually a case of gain resources here, do this, do that. Yep. Very, very simple. Other than the very last phase. Yep, the sixth phase. Which is the sixth phase where there is no active moons but what you actually do is activate the bottom of every discipline. of every single discipline if i'm correct yeah? yes so if there's no cards on a discipline there's always just the standard one which is usually gain a resource yeah gain whichever but resource it's really good though because you're activating six cards yeah the very very good one to do so that that's it yeah that's basically it and the game is about building points isn't it really and that later on in the game you start getting cards coming out where you can gain extra points if you've got the most cards under potions yep. or transfer blood money into gold which is really good because at the end of the game resources do get you points yep but blood but blood loses you points indeed it does but yeah going back to the drafting quickly it's like i like that idea that you're not building a hand mm. it's look at your hand play a card pass it on yeah then you go to the next phase of mm. the moons so it's just a different because you don't know what cards are going to yeah. come back for the end of the round it's not you're not looking at your hand and going right this is my hand what am i going to do with it it's, yeah no play one pass it yes yeah see, i thought the way that we originally played it i drafting properly and having my entire hand visible to me yep I thought I would prefer that because I could be far more strategic. But actually, the way the game is meant to be played with the whole play one, pass it on, you know, round moves on and, and, and stuff like that. I really love it. Yeah, I thought it was a really it good made way to it, do it far more challenging yeah. to try and come up with a strategy, especially in that first round. Yeah, because you can't plan ahead because no. you're not you haven't got a complete hand to know what you're gonna do. So it's yeah. like I have no idea what I'm about to get. Exactly, because what I mean for how I was drafting originally, I'd probably take three cards that I knew I wanted to play, and then three that I was either happy to 
essentially discard in order to cast. Yep. Or three that I could play if I really needed to. Yep. You know, whereas, yeah, not having that foresight to know what was going on, that really added the yeah. the nice challenge for me. Indeed. So, uh, I mean, one thing I, I'm really going to big up for this game is the downtime between player turns is so, so minimal. Yep. Really, really good. Uh, and... The other thing is because there's cards within the game that are player interaction, but it's not like take that interaction. Yeah. You know, there you might get a card, an instant play card, which says take a card from your player to your rights discard pile and add it to your tableau free of charge. Yep. You know, uh, or they can do something or, you know, another player can do something. Yeah. There's always an added interest there as to what's going on on someone else's turn. There is. Uh, I also like the fact that, as we said, there are three rounds consisting of six phases. I like the fact that you've got those one, two and three decks. Mm. So each round has its own deck and the decks get progressively more powerful. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to choose what card you're, you're, you're either discarding or playing in that. Yep. In that, I mean, the second round's hard, but the third round is like every card here is stupidly powerful yep. and is going to get me lots of points, but I really need to activate this discipline yep. because that's going to get me X amount of points. Yep, I, I, I love that. And like as, as we have said several times, I like the fact that it's almost impossible to plan ahead because until that hand gets passed to you and you can only use one card from that hand and it's like right what are you doing yeah yeah definitely i want to do this but i need to activate that discipline or i need to put a card in that discipline uh don't have any cards for that discipline oh what am i doing yeah exactly you know it's not like you can plan your whole turn out in one go which you could the way we were playing it wrong yeah exactly so i mean that that's great um another pro for me is how easy this game is it is simple it's, and really easy to teach and six players james one to six players now we haven't done a full six player game we've primarily been playing this at four players i think we've done one game at five yeah and yet i don't you know i've done one at two i've done one at three I've done most, most of them at four and the occasion. Yeah, I think I've done one or possibly two at five. And every single game has not felt long. It's not felt drawn out. And in the five player game that I played, or one of them, every single player bar me was new. Did not find it a challenge to uh, to teach them all. They all picked it up really, really quickly. And surprise, surprise, I lost, as I always do when I'm teaching new games, ironically. But for me, really easy to teach. Massive thumbs up for the play account because this is another game that, say, if I was doing a, an intro game night at a game club and I had six new players turn up, I know where I'm looking. Yep. I know what game I'm going to be breaking out. It's another game that sits right alongside the likes of Downforce because that high player count, ease of play, and not a long time to play it. So great thumbs up for me on that one. The drafting mechanic, I think we've splooged enough about that. Indeed. To say that I like that. And as I said, the downtime is 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 fantastic. It's, Major pros for me. The only, there's only really two cons for me in this game. I mean, and this one is a is a personal con. The theme. I passed this game by when when uh, when my partner bought this. I I completely overlooked this game because I looked at it. I was like, oh, it looks alright, magic. I don't really care. I would never have played this game if if my partner hadn't have bought the game. Uh, well, I mean, I probably would have played it if someone had asked me to play it, but. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. No one had ever tried to get me to play it before. So I'm really, really glad that she bought it and I'm, got, I'm glad I got to play it. But yeah, it is a bit of a con. 
if you're not into magic and all that, you are going to overlook the game. And the second con for me, and this one is a bit more important to me, and that is that I find the game can be pretty unforgiving if you make a mistake yep. or play something at the wrong time, especially late game. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. For example, there's been a couple of games where I think I was in the lead, but not by a lot going into the last round. And I made a, edu- oh, I guess it wasn't an educated decision, but a, a decision to play a certain card at a certain time. And it ended up costing me the game because the way I'd done it, I, I didn't maximize the points I could have got. Yep. Uh, if I'd just waited. We're only talking one phase. If I'd waited one phase, we worked it out at the end, didn't we? Like, yep. If I'd waited one more phase, I probably would have got an extra 10 to 15 points, which would have just won me the game. Indeed. And I think it's the same in round two as well. If you play cards at the wrong time instead of activating and stuff like that, yep. if you're not clawing those points as and when you can, it is quite punishing. Yeah. Um. One other... I call it a niggle for me as well, is the evergreen cards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which are, they're in the botany discipline, I believe, or the plant, which, whichever one the plant yeah, yeah. is. And they have a special mechanic where they activate every time you cast, not just when, that bot- moon is when in botany yeah. is in ascendancy. They're denoted by a small red dot on the side of the card, which yeah. is completely overlooked because they have a green sort of border but mm. the card is quite dark yeah and it's a dark red they've chosen it kind of just blends into the background yeah it doesn't scream activate me no and i think when whenever we've talked about it and a couple of other players have stated it's like it would have been better if they'd made the edge of the card red yes yeah you know, like a, a red I ring mean- around I, I the kind of, part of the card. I kind of get why they didn't do that because it's also located right next to the blood discipline which is red. Mm, yeah. It's like they it just the marker needs to be a lot more in your face to say hey remember to do this card every yeah. time. Yeah, and I, I think again that's another one where it sort of ties into that whole it's punishing if you do forget to do it because a lot of them will get you extra point. Like I think I think back to a game we had with uh, Dave. Yep. And he had at least three turns where he didn't activate his evergreen cards, and he had three of them. Yep. So he was missing oh, a I've stupid it. amount of it, it, I, resources, and also one of them was getting in victory points. Yeah, every time I've had evergreens out, there's at least one phase where I've forgotten to do it because botany's not in ascendancy, and it's just... You like, don't think to look at I've it. Just got, I've, even though I'm going along the tableau... It's just, it's that small where you just overlook it. Yeah. And then it's moved on to someone else's turn and you go, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that needs to be much more clear, clearly denoted on the card. It's like, hey, you do this every time you cast. Yeah. I would, uh, like I said, I, I personally would have kept the rest of the card the same, but the inner ring around the text, I would have made that that text box maybe a, a glowing red. Yeah. You know, something like just something there's a bit more well, sort of, as go, you said, activate me. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know what the red dot is supposed to represent, but it, yeah, it, it's supposed to be something to do with the moon. It's like white. Mm. White would have been a perfect color to use because yeah. white isn't featured really anywhere else in the game. It's like, and that, re- that, 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 it's a bright color that would draw you to the yeah. card. 
Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, exactly. So anything else you want to talk about with regards to the game mechanics or, or the way the game plays? I think we've covered everything about it. Uh, anyone would think we've had this discussion before, James. Yep. We know exactly what we're going to say. Indeed. So we're going to move on to our final thoughts. James, what are your final thoughts for Arcana Rising? Who would you recommend the game for? And yeah, did you enjoy it? Okay, uh, final thoughts are gameplay-wise... This is a very good game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, suffers from some horrific quality issues, and I can only go by what's in front of me. I don't know if later on down the line they resolved those mm, quality yeah. issues, but I can only comment on the copy that we have in front of us. So yeah, really bad mm. quality issues on those punch boards. And I would definitely say, being that this is Grey Fox Games, I've never experienced a bad Grey Fox game. Mm. Uh, especially with their quality, they're usually pretty good. So I am going to say that this is probably an abnormality in their yeah in their production. But we, you know, it, it's part of what we do. We're always honest. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I, I can't sit here and say, oh yeah, this game's amazing. This game's amazing. You guys go and buy it and find that it's actually yeah the quality is terrible. Yeah, and we're like, here to be honest. Yeah, it's like disclaimer: we can only comment on the one that's in front of us. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I. I think it is an abnormality because everything else about this game is pretty good. Like you know, mm. we've said the art is is beautiful. I can't think of another word to actually say it, like the card art and yeah. things like that. Is they're really good quality images they've used, and it's not, it's not f what I would call photo. It's more I can't really describe the art style. It's yeah, I, I'm not sure how I gothic would magic. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, actually, you could probably go imagine Magic the Gathering style art. When yeah, you think about it, it's very, very similar to me anyway. Yeah, it's not quite as... I mean, I'm going to probably annoy every Magic player who listens because <laughs> I can't stand Magic the Gathering. From what I've seen, it's not quite as cartoony as the, uh, as the Magic the Gathering. It's got a more graphic novel yeah. art yeah. style to it, but it's still very, like I said, very dark magic. Yeah, grimdark. Yeah. As, as we like to say within the hobby i suppose uh magic aspects but yeah everything else about it seems okay it's just those punch boards <laughs> yeah they, they are a bit shocking um yeah uh i'd recommend this game like you said it would make a brilliant intro game for people that's learning because it is super simple to pick up but i think more experienced players would also enjoy it because of the there is a level of thinkiness to it yeah yeah um, so yeah, gamers of all all stripes would probably enjoy it. I'm with you on the theme. It's like I would have I would pass this game by because I'm not a magic fan at mm. all, and that would be a mistake because the gameplay is very good. Yeah, nice, very good comments there. Um, yeah, so for me, I'm going to agree with pretty much everything you said there. This will be the last time I, I will will mention the quality, but I have to mention it because every single person we've played with has completely overlooked the beauty of this game, and all they've seen is bad quality mm. that's all they've mentioned they've not mentioned the amazing artwork or anything like that it's like oh those game boards are a bit you know a bit poor you know and that's that's a shame because this game has so much to offer yeah um but yeah everyone that we have played the game with has really really enjoyed it like i said the theme isn't fully for me however now having played this game quite a few times if anyone wants to play this game and they say i'd like to play arcana rising you won't hear me saying no I, I will always play this game. So that being said, I have to take into account the quality control when it came to my Meeple rating, but the gameplay definitely brought it back up for me. And I am going to give Arcana Rising a 7 out of 10. Um, and I can't emphasize enough that the gameplay saved this game 
for me. Uh, if we weren't talking about the gameplay, it would be well, well below the five. So what about you, James? What's your Meeple rating? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you, Jason, because, uh, and I will justify my reasons in a minute, I'm going to give Arcana Rising a six. Okay, yep. And that is, I'd like again, like to preface this with, it is not a bad game, gameplay. If someone offers you the opportunity to play this game, play it, because yes. you will enjoy it. My Meeple rating is more based on a potential purchase. Mm-hmm, yep. And I cannot overlook those quality issues, especially as if I remember, I can't remember if you mentioned it during your original intro, is this game's RRP 35? Um, The cheapest I found it for is 35. 35, so 35 pounds should not yeah. have I think, quality I mean, issues like it, that. If, if we're going to talk about that, let's just say working it out, because I saw prices up to 70, 80. So we're, we're, we're okay. talking that, that that's extreme. That's extreme. Don't, don't, average, do not buy it for that price. No, uh, average, I'm going to round it off and say 40. 40. 40. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really strict when it comes to these kind of things and quality issues of that issue in a game that's averaging 35 to 40 pounds is unacceptable mm. is the word i would use for that yeah and i think we've seen enough recently to, yep. to prove that games that are of the on the cheaper end the 20 pound mark ha, ha, have ha, been exceptional yeah with their quality with things like that and it's like you've got all these other components in there that are of good quality mm. what what happened with those punch boards yeah yeah it'd be interesting so, so, someone dropped the ball there quite badly but yeah so i've got to bring it in at a six okay six out of ten for you seven out of ten for me for our kind of rising by gray fox games again i think we're both in agreement here the game is pretty good but the quality has let it down a little bit. But if any of you guys have had any experience with Arcana Rising, have you got the retail edition? We would love, and I mean love to hear, did they fix the quality control issues before it went to retail? Let us know on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on our Discord server. Links to those will be in the podcast description shall we hand over to the man in the new shed let's do it jace let's do it over to you paul hang on don't move it's working nope 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 i think we've done it thank god that's the computer back together technical difficulties more like rocket science getting this thing back together and running when I told you we were gutting the shed last week to tidy up, I didn't mean the entire contents of the computer tower too. Okay, okay, I'll be a little bit more specific next time. Hang on, what do you mean we've got bits left? Well, I don't know where they go. Hang on, that's an actual chip from last night's dinner. You can throw that away or eat it. Look, everything's working at the moment, so only one thing left to test. Well, it's either going to start the news or blow something up. Anyway, here goes. Hit it. First teased at Gamma Expo 2022, WizKids is set to release a new game, Marvel Age of Heroes, in March 2023. Marvel Age of Heroes is a 2-5 player worker placement game from Lords of Waterdeep co-designer Rodney Thompson. Marvel Age of Heroes is an epic strategy game in which each player commands a duo of X-Men, including fan favourites Wolverine and Jubilee, Jean Grey and Cyclops, 
Forge and Storm along with many, many more, who are dispatched to defeat villains and complete objectives. Become a master telepath as cards and playerboards have a gorgeous dreamscape artifact as if a powerful telepath is seeing them through Cerebro. And talking about WizKids, designer J.B. Howell, who worked on titles such as Chio's Secret, Flotilla and Gates of Mara, has a new game set to be released in April next year by the name of Siliconvania. Given the title Siliconvania, sees the Vampire Council looking to hire a new city planner to turn Transylvania, the most legendary vampire town in the world, into the world's newest tech haven. You and your rivals are competing to land a job that will ask you to create a diverse cityscape for vampire and animal life. Provide plenty of blood banks for your citizens, secure contracts and bring aboard the best specialists in the industry. The race is on to present to the Vampire Council the most organised plans for the city to renovate Transylvania into Siliconvania. Played Hat Games continues to cement its claim as the small animal protagonist amongst the board gaming market with another critter-driven game in the form of Hickory Dickory from first-time designer Sawyer West. In Hickory Dickory, players control a team of mice competing in a royal scavenger hunt hosted by Lord Cuckoo. The mice will ride on a cuckoo's clock minute hand as they search for items that match their hunt card. The adorable mice will jump off the hand to collect item tiles and perform various actions that will help them gain berries or victory points. Once the clock strikes midnight, the hunt is over and the mice will show off their scavenger hunt cars to Lord Cuckoo. Berries will be rewarded for rows and columns completed on their hunt card and the mice team with the most berries wins. In amongst the celebrations of winning this year's Kennerspiel de Jar, Living Forest, signed by Ask Christensen and published by Ludenort, was the announcement of the first expansion to Living Forest as the Japanese tree spirits join the fight in Living Forest Kadama. The dreadful Anibi has upped his game and never been more dangerous. Not only does he continue his ferocious attack on the sacred tree, but he is also coming for the circle of spirits. But the spirits of nature aren't fighting alone. Sankey has sent small beings of light, the Kadama, to help them face this growing threat. With 10 new guardian animals joining the fray alongside 6 new trees, your defence against Sanabi has just had an upgrade. There will also be a solo mode included. The holidays are nearly upon us and as is tradition of late, Games Workshop has launched a new span of Battle Force boxes for both Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar. The differences between a Battle Force box and any other collection of sprues might not be readily evident, but that's partly by design. Battle Force products collect previously released squads, individual figures, and other minis into something meant to give players a fairly complete 2000 point army. That's why the represented factions tend to follow Games Workshop's product line from the past couple of years and lean on the most recent codex books to hit the market. Battleforce can be a great opportunity for those who save their wargaming funds all year or players ready to invest in a big army on their first go. 
fans of Upper Deck's two-player game system Versus have a new set incoming to help them on their way, based on the Amazon Prime series The Boys. According to the publisher, the upcoming set will feature both recognisable characters and key moments from the Amazon Prime series. Several characters have already been confirmed to be included in the set, such as Billy Butcher, the revenge-driven anti-hero played by Carl Urban, the super-powered Homelander, played by Anthony Starr, and Starlight, a hero attempting to navigate the murky waters of the boys' world played by Annie January. Other important characters from the TV series will be featured in the card set, alongside several key moments from throughout the show. The set itself will include 200 cards that will depict imagery taken straight from the boys, with players able to employ the various soups, their allies and other associated elements against their opponents. Online PC store and platform Steam has announced a slew of discounts available on digital versions of board games in what it's calling Tabletop Gathering 2022, and co-organised by Monster Couch Studio, the developer and co-publisher behind the digital board game version of Wingspan. The event involves more than 100 developers behind digital versions of tabletop games or video games that are otherwise heavily inspired by tabletop titles. Among the titles on offer are unsurprisingly Wingspan Digital, currently available for £8.49, Talisman Digital Edition, currently available for £1.29, Smash Up is currently discounted to £2.59, and Mystic Veil for £5.14. Tabletop Gathering 2022 is currently live, with an end date yet to be announced. And this week's main news, Atomic Mass Games, responsible for the dogfighting hit X-Wing, the space fleet game Armada, and the ground-based wargame Legion, alongside Marvel-based miniatures game Crisis Protocol, have announced their newest title and they've not strayed too far from the back catalogue. Introducing Star Wars Shatterpoint, a skirmish-level miniatures battler in development starring handfuls of familiar characters and inspired by the sci-fi series' classic cartoons. Compared to the larger armies of something like Warhammer or Legion, Shatterpoint will use fairly small numbers of models on the table. These models will form strike teams made up of famous faces from the galaxy far, far away, including the likes of Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, Asajj Ventress, Luminari Undula, and Lord Maul. These characters can be paired with thematic squads of followers such as Mandalorian Super Commandos, Battle Droids and Clone Troopers, or be mixed and matched into custom teams using dedicated squad building rules. And if those names aren't familiar, that probably means you haven't seen Star Wars animated spin-off The Clone Wars or the various TV series that have since expanded on the prequel lore and characters seen in the long-running cartoon such as recent live-action series The Mandalorian. According to Shatterpoint's designers, the game draws heavily from the series' animated adaptations, including Clone Wars and older cartoons predating The Phantom Menace seen in the stylized sculpts in its model. Atomic Mass's director of product development, Will Schick, said, 
the design and development of the Star Wars Shadowpoint miniatures game is really our love letter to the excitement and energy of being a kid on Saturday mornings. We wanted to take all the great things about Star Wars, the action, the adventure and the iconic characters to create a Star Wars miniatures game experience that felt like it had come straight out of the animated lineups of the 80s and 90s. First teasers show off more familiar faces from the Star Wars prequel movies in plastic form, including General Grievous, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Count Dooku, Jango Fett and Anakin Skywalker. Battles in Shatterpoint will centre on a set mission of objectives said to dynamically evolve over the course of each match. Characters will be able to use unique abilities and a variety of combat skills as they compete to complete each objective first. Star Wars Shatterpoint is due to release in June 2023. Its exact contents and its price are yet to be announced, although a box shot has been released featuring Ahsoka Tano and Anakin on the side of the Jedi battling Sith warriors Maul and Asajj Ventress. This week on crowdfunding, has looking forward to the end of the cold nights and ahead to spring in Survival of the Fattest by first-time publisher Dirty Rascal Games, and this is over on Kickstarter. The game is for one to four players and can be played in roughly an hour and can be played by your own critters from eight years old. Old Grizz slowly opened one sleepy eye and peered out of his den. The snow had all but melted in the warm sunshine and the smell of spring filled the air. The old bear found no joy in the beautiful scene though, he had survived enough winters to know that work lay ahead. His mind reluctantly turned to thoughts of hunting and hoarding, stashing as much food as possible while the woodland was awake and bountiful. The bear's brooding was interrupted by an annoyingly cheerful voice. Look honey, another big juicy berry, this will be our biggest stash yet. It was those two ridiculously radiant rabbits honey and buns. As he watched the little bunnies annoyingly bounce from bush to bush, a cunning plan started to form. Maybe he wouldn't have to make such an effort this year. After all, there were plenty of other critters already hard at work. Old Grizz pondered this new revelation. If he could apply a little pressure, maybe twist a tail or two, he might just be able to convince his new best friends to share. In Survival of the Fattest, you take on the role of a woodland critter and use your unique tricks and abilities to forage for food. Spend your gathered food to complete delicious recipes from the market for in-game bonuses and end-game victory points. After three seasons, if you fed your critter and accumulated the most victory points, you shall be declared the winner. Survivor of the Fattest is a visually stunning family weight game using action selection, hand management and unique critter abilities. The standard edition of the game comes in at £40, which will get you going with everything you need to play together with any unlock stretch goals associated with the standard edition. Or you can up your pledge to £57 and you'll get a plethora of extras, which include miniatures of all the critters to replace the standees in the standard pledge, an extra character, Rascal, three mini expansions, more component upgrades and obviously all the unlocked stretch goals associated with the deluxe edition of the game. A slew of add-ons can be incorporated into your pledge including extra copies of the game, the expansions and indeed card sleeves. And looking on at events, to those of you who are local, 
here in Sussex, just to mention that my own group, Mid-Sussex Meeples, has its Games Day this coming Sunday, 20th of November. We're in the same location here at Cypress Hall, Cypress Road, Burgess Hill, West Sussex, RH158DX. We're still just £5 per head for the day, which starts at 10am and runs through to 6pm. With tea, coffee, squash, biscuits and uh, maybe a treat or two as it's our last event of 2022. We look forward to seeing all who are able and willing to attend. That's not to say we're the only ones running a game day on the 20th locally. Worthing board gamers have also joined the fray by hosting their first games day. But they have apologised already for clashing with mine. Theirs will be held at 3rd Worthing Scout Group Hut. St Andrews High School, Sackville Road, BN 148BQ. And taking notes from the other group, they've gone with the same format, with refreshments available and just £5 per head for the day. Although they will be running a little longer than us, from 10am through to 7pm. So may be able to squeeze a game of Twilight Imperium in, if you're lucky. Well, we look like we got through that unscathed, didn't we? Right, we better sign off before you jinx it. Yeah, you, I'm looking at you. Right, say goodbye to everyone. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much there, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for another Game Highlight episode a week later than we planned it to be, James. Indeed. But how do you think this one went? Hopefully well, because we <laughs> thought the last one went well. This is very, very true indeed. I think uh, before we go anywhere tonight, we might have to have a listen back to Indeed. I was going to say, if you listen to the outro, or if you could bear to listen to the outro of the old one without it distorting like hell, <laughs> uh, we, I believe we said exactly the same thing. How did you think this one went? Oh, I think we went really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't, I don't think my eardrums can take <laughs> the, uh, listening to that other one, especially as you've got to think, I played a little little snip of it snippet for you before we went live today that was on my computer speakers yeah i usually listen to it through my studio headphones yep and because i'm doing my best to try and get rid of all of the minuscule noises i usually have it cranked right up so i can hear every little pin drop i bet that woke you up it, it did indeed <laughs> Um, it's probably a good thing I wasn't working a couple of days after that. Let's put it that way. But uh, <laughs> Has the ringing stopped yet? Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, I, I probably had, uh, is it tinnitus? Yes. From years of being in a in a, in a heavy metal band. Um, so I'm pretty sure my hearing shot anyway. But yeah, if I can't take it, I think uh, I think I've spared the world. Indeed. Some, some true pain there. But yes. We're going to head off, James, because, uh, well, one... I've got to get you home because your car is unfortunately off the road again. It is indeed. But uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be back on the road very, very soon. Indeed. And also we might try and break out another couple of games at some point. <sighs> well, that'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, the the hard thing is, James, we've, we've done this entire episode with that, that Flamecraft board sat. Yeah, yeah sat I, noticed that, I noticed that you hadn't put it away. <laughs> just sitting there teasing me. <laughs> indeed. I mean, it might it might end up back on the table. Who knows? But anyway, we are going to be talking about Flamecraft in a couple of weeks. Maybe next week. Who knows? Who knows? It's going to happen at some point. But yeah, once again, I do apologize. Who knows? Wink, wink. Yeah, wink, wink. Uh, once again, I do apologize for the fact that we did not get this episode out last week. Uh, but hopefully, fingers crossed, 
touch wood, literally doing all of those things right now that this recording has come out okay. All of those things said, till next week, I have been Jason. And I've been James. You've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta and goodbye. Goodbye.